0: Chip team.
1: So, you are the very first guest. What should we name this? It's like a video podcast where we tell stories. Welcome to Socks Shooter, Soxty Minutes, <laughs> Yakety Socks, Fort Socks. It's gold. This is Long Socks.
0: I think we got it.
1: Uh, welcome to our show, James McCann. How are you? Doing great yourself. I'm tremendous. Uh, my first thing I want to know is what happened this off season to lead to this start that you had this year,
2: uh, do you think? Well, honestly, it goes back before this offseason. Um, you know, I go back to uh, when I broke in 2014, 2015, uh, had, a, had a respectable rookie year. Um, 16 comes around and uh, I got hurt on like the third game of the season, collision at first base, turned my ankle. Uh, when I came back from that injury, it took me oh man, a month and a half, two months to really get going. It was almost like I was in spring training mode and everyone else was in mid-season form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot from, about you know adversity during 2016. Uh, 2017 rolls around, I had a good year um, offensively. And then 2018, uh, last year, it's just kind of one of those down years. Um, yeah. Felt like when I hit the ball hard, it went right at somebody. Uh, when I didn't hit the ball hard, it, didn't, it went right at somebody. Um, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like it, every time I turned around, I couldn't catch a break. Um, but it, 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 you know, it, it's one of those things. Uh, you know, I didn't feel sorry for myself. I didn't, um, you know, pout or anything like that because I know at the end of the day, my my job is, is my number one job is my defense um, and controlling a game. Uh, you know, receiving the ball, throwing runners out, all, all the stuff that, that goes along with being a, a good defensive catcher. Uh, but going into the off season, I knew that I had to, to make some adjustments. Um, and so I say it goes back to, to early in my career because uh, during the off season, I did some soul searching and um, I had found myself constantly watching film of, of guys that I played with and, and talking to them, guys like JD Martinez, uh, Miguel Cabrera, uh, Ian Kinsler, guys that have had long-term success in the big leagues, and I was trying to take this from this guy and this from this guy and this from this guy and try and turn it into me. And what I what I really kind of came up with this offseason is I can't be those guys. Those guys are are you know different players than who I am, and I needed to get back to who I was as as a hitter. And um, so if you if you look at me now, uh, uh, it's a little bit closer to who I was when I when I broke into the big leagues. Um, with the, the knowledge of, of what I did learn from, from those guys.
1: Who were you when you just broke in?
2: I was a guy that, that like I've said from, from day one here, um, stayed within myself. Uh, you know, I, I remember at one point in, in AAA, when I was knocking on the door, um, I was hitting right around 300 with, I was thinking I was second or third in the International League in doubles, but I only had three home runs and it didn't bother me. I didn't care to look up there and say, oh, I only got three homers. Because I knew how I was catching I knew that I was getting on base I knew that I was having quality at bats um, and at times I, I do think that, that during my struggles it was in the big leagues it's been okay if I, if I had a homer here it makes up for the fact that I haven't had a hit in three games and the next thing you know you go hit list for another three games because all you're trying to do is get that one big hit and, and in all reality one homer doesn't make up for you know two or three bad bad days at the plate. It, it takes you know, just a base hit the other way, a base hit the other way, and then the big hit, and all of a sudden you go, oh, now I'm three for my last 10 instead of zero for my last 15.
1: A couple minutes ago you said that your priority is defense, and you listed off some foundational things about the importance of being a catcher. Who taught you that, or how did you learn that?
2: I learned in college. Um, I had a really good catching guy. I was really blessed. Uh, His name's Chris Curry. Uh, played all the way up to triple a uh had a good good professional career and he was kind of one of those guys that um was always kept around because of how good his defense was and uh i mean i could sit here and tell stories about him for for a long time um but when i and he knows this i'm not saying anything, but when, when i first got to college and i was a freshman and he was the catching coach there his a volunteer assistant he just finished his playing career i hated him with a passion I mean, I'm talking, I've never hated someone so much. And I hate to use the word hate, but I, I hated him. He knew how to push every button I had. He knew um, you know, how to get underneath my skin. And he knew that by doing all of that, it would just push me to work harder. And um, it was shortly, probably it's probably halfway through my freshman season that we had, a, we kind of bonded. And now we're, I mean, really good friends. I, I talk to him constantly. He's the head coach at University of Arkansas, Little Rock now. Mm-hmm. Um, I visit him in the off season. I, I, I help out with, with some of his stuff, but uh, he was the one that taught me a lot. It, it, was, it was almost like when I got to college, all right, I'm gonna, make you, I'm, make you, I'm gonna make you a man and I'm gonna teach you how to catch at the college level. And then once I kind of got to that point, it was like, okay, now it's time. I'm gonna teach you how to be a, a professional catcher. And uh, one of the big things that he constantly preached and I, I'm a firm believer in now, and I'll tell any young catcher this, is you can control the way you catch on a day in and day out basis. I can control the way I receive. I can control the way I block. I can control the way I throw. I can control the way I call a game and the way I manage a game and and, and not let, you know, my offensive woes or my offensive successes affect the way I'm calling a game. I can't always control the way I swing the bat. Um, and you talk about the best hitters in the game can go up there and square up four balls and go for four. And you look in the box score and say, like, oh, he didn't do anything tonight. But in reality, he couldn't have done any better. Um, defensively you can't you can't take days off defensively there are no days off
1: what were uh 18 19 year old james mccann's buttons
2: (laughs) um man i take a little bit after my dad i've got a little bit of a temper um i can control it a little bit more than than my dad did Uh, but he i mean my catching coach he would he would coach curry would stand behind me like Okay, we he would call. We would have catching work at 5:30 in the morning, and he would turn on the machines, throwing 88 mile hour sliders, and we have to block, and uh, receiving 95 mile hour fastballs off the machine at 5:30 in the morning. Well, he would get behind me during some of this and talk about how you know this catcher at LSU is better than you, and um, you know you're you're just a You know whatever you are from california go back and go be a hippie and go surf and you you know this is this is a man's game you're not good enough to play like little stuff like that that just you know fire me up like i'm i'm gonna show you that you're wrong and then i finally realized okay he's he's doing this because he sees you know i have the ability he's not doing it because he doesn't like me
1: we were talking to lucas giolito a little while ago for the first episode of this and he said afterward that uh, you care very deeply about the whole thing of catching. You just care, and he appreciates that. H- how do you learn your pitchers to make them feel that way?
2: You know, the, the thing that I've learned, and this, this goes beyond the game of baseball, this is a, a people thing. Um, you gotta show, show everyone respect. Um, you look in that clubhouse and there's not one person no, there's not two people that come from the same background. Everyone's got a different background, everyone's got a different story. Um, and I often tell people that, that want to get into the, the political conversations, that if you could be a fly on the wall in a baseball locker room, if, if you could, if the world could act like the baseball locker room, it'd be a lot, lot pe- more peaceful place. Because um, you know, you've been in the locker room and you hear guys you know, giving each other a hard time and, and making comments that out, out in the real world, someone's going to be offended. In the locker room, it's, we're all brothers. We all love each other um, and we all respect each other. And that's that's the biggest thing that, that goes with, you know, your pictures is showing that I truly care for you. Forget about what you're doing on the field. I care for you. I, I wanna know what's going on in your life. I wanna know what's going on with your wife, your girlfriend, you know, your kids. How's your family doing? How's, you know, this going on? And, and then, hey, let's, all right, now let's get into baseball. Um, because first and foremost, to create that trust and create that bond you have you have to have that level of respect you have to have that level of this guy truly cares about not just what i'm doing on the mound but what's going on in my life away from the field
1: so it's the third week of december 2018 you've signed with the white Sox. how do you go about learning what what were the next two three weeks like for you
2: well i talked to coop um, coop and i got on the phone and um you know, he kind of he would give me his rundown of guys, and I'd give him my report as as, a, as an opponent and what we saw. Um, so that way, when I got to spring training, I knew what Cooper was trying to do with each individual guy, and I could kind of be that second voice from you know the pitching coach uh, going into catching bullpens and hey, here's what we're working on, here's what we're doing. Um, so it was a seamless that seamless transition. There wasn't a, a period of me okay, I need to learn this guy. While catching him, it was, I already know what this guy is featuring. I know what he's been working on. Now I can be that, that, that guy that keeps him moving in the right direction.
1: What's the most exhilarating play for a catcher defensively?
2: <clears throat> I think throwing a guy out, trying to steal. Um, I've hit home runs. I've hit walk off homers. I hit inside the park home run, but, and I don't get me wrong. Home runs are awesome. Home runs are cool. But throwing out a guy stealing, there's just nothing like it. Just the, um, you know, how quick it happens, how everything that goes into it, it it's, that is by far my probably my favorite thing that happens in, in the game is, is throwing out a guy trying to steal.
1: Do you remember the first time you threw out a guy stealing?
2: I do, I do. It was, uh, it was kind of a weird situation. We were in Pittsburgh my rookie year, and uh, I think it was McCutcheon, uh, it was a 3-0 pitch. And he, I think he thought, okay, maybe the pitcher's gonna take this you know, slow and just try and throw a strike. And uh, it was a strike, and I, I threw him out You know, I remember that was my first one.
1: So let's go to April 29th, 2015, because you mentioned it in passing here. Your first career major league home run as a catcher did not leave the stadium. Uh, what was that like?
2: Oh, man, <clears throat> well, honestly, I didn't really know it counted as a home run until I got to the dugout. And I remember David Price was on the top step. Uh, Brad Ausmus was up there grinning ear to ear. And uh, Castellanos is, was on first, I think, at the time. And he's got his arm around me. And I'm kind of like, all right, well, that was, yeah, it was cool. But and then everyone's like, how's your first homer? And so it was, again, I didn't realize, you know, I, the last time I hit inside the parker was T-ball. So <laughs> I mean, um, but it was, a, it was a special, special moment. You have the ball? I do, I do. I have the ball um, sitting on my, my, my mantle at home uh, with, with other firsts that I have. What other
1: ones do you have?
2: I have uh, First Career Hit. Um, that was off of uh, Jason Vargas in Kansas City. Uh, I have a couple of different walk-off homers. Uh, one of them was actually off of the White Sox. Um, cool. Off of uh, who was it? Off of I think it was off Putnam, maybe like Putnam. Um, I have a, a pretty cool ball. Um, I was the 300th career player to hit a home run off of Bartolo Colon, and there's only two pitchers in the history of the game that have given up a home run to 300 different players. Wow! So that that was a, that's a pretty cool ball.
1: Uh, how did you find out that that had happened?
2: uh they just knew it was like put on the jumbotron like I mean I'm sure Bartolo wasn't happiest about it but he was actually um after the game they asked him about it and you know telling him you're the only second guy in the history and he said well, that means two things one I've been playing a long time and two he said I don't care giving up homers I want to throw strikes I don't want to walk guys and that's kind of how Bartolo always pitched he went right at guys so um but the the few times I've talked to him he, he's an awesome guy so
1: that's a, that's a cool one. I like that. Uh, for a little insight, if you're willing to do it, and if not, fine, uh, what are your pre-series meetings like?
2: Pre-series meetings. So uh, me personally, I have um, my own format that I like to go off of that I've I've developed, I've grown accustomed to uh, mm-hmm. through the course of my my career. Um, and it breaks down every hitter that we're facing. So and it it breaks it down as as intricate as, um, was this guy hitting off of fastballs away, off fastballs in, fastball up, fastball down, slider in, slider away, curveball in, curveball away and, and, and so on. Um, it, it breaks down their average, it breaks down their slugging percentage, it breaks down uh, their swing and miss percentage, their chase out of the zone percentage, uh, their ground ball percentage. So what I do is I, I look at this, I'm able to look at this, th- these numbers broken down for me and then I create my own scouting report from it. Um, so I can go in and say, okay, hey, in, in crunch time, we're facing this hitter uh we can go heaters up across we can go down away um, and slider is is the best off speed pitch uh, he handles change ups in the zone so if we're going change up it's got to be expanded below or expanded off uh, curveball's got to be short he sees that they get me over curveball whatever it may be or um hey we need a ground ball we got runners on first and third one out uh, back door breaking ball he hits on the ground at, you know whatever percentage I, I know if we need a ground ball hey this guy this is the pitch we can go with um, so i'll create my own sky report and then going into a series i know okay we've got you know Gilito on the mound or we've got this guy on the mound or um, you know benuelos or Covey or, or, or lopez and i can say okay here's this guy's strengths uh, as, as a pitcher here's this hitter's weaknesses how do they match up and uh, then it's a matter of trusting my eyes in a game um, here our strengths our strengths today? Or are we struggling to get to our strengths? Or um, is this hitter's strength better than our strength? And, and that's the cat mouse, the, the chess game that, that I love so much about, about baseball.
1: How early before a series do you work on that?
2: Uh, a day or two before. Yeah. So um, I personally don't like to get too far ahead uh, just because my focus is the series at hand. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times I'll, on our plane rides, I'll be on my iPad doing the, the sky report and um, and figuring that stuff out. And Uh, you know, to the point where I, you know, I'll, I'll finish up my report and I'll, I'll email it out to to guys that want to have it, you know, so they can study it before, you know, before a series.
1: If you could put anything on your mask, like a hockey goalie, (laughs) what would you put on your mask? Oh
2: man, I've never, I've actually never thought about this, um, because I'm kind of, kind of like an old school guy that I don't, have a lot of flash, Mm. um. Kind of like a tattoo. If someone told me I had to get a tattoo, I I wouldn't know what to get. Okay. Um, but,
1: you have no flash in you. Oh,
2: man, I'm not. I mean, maybe some shoes every once in a while, but <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a pretty simple guy. It'd probably just be the the team logo, to be honest with you. I don't exotic or, or uh, something with a uh, with a cannon, just because my nickname is McCannon. Yeah. So I could I could see something like that, but. Yeah. I'm pretty simple. I'm I'm not very very flashy guy.
1: What were your hobbies when you were young, James McCann? What'd you do as a kid?
2: <laughs> Baseball. Really? Seriously. Um, like I I think back to like kids talking about cartoon shows and hey, you watch this, you watch that, and no, literally, I watched. I, I was lucky growing up in Southern California. I had the Angels and the Dodgers, mm-hmm. so I got to watch their games every night. Um, we didn't have a big yard, but uh, when I was a kid. Uh, we had a uh, like a cinder block wall in our in our backyard and you know the center how big the cinder blocks are and i'd take a tennis ball and i would you know i'd be a pitcher and i'd hit okay i gotta hit this this block i gotta hit this block i gotta hit that block um, then i'd become a shortstop and i'd throw it off there and i'd field a ground ball and throw it to first base and i'd be the first baseman and have to pick the ball you know uh, if i wasn't doing homework i was outside playing uh you know we my brother and i we play wiffle ball in the front yard and um you know, I, we would be, we choose what teams we were and then we'd imitate what, what hit, you know, we knew the lineups. We knew every lineup in baseball and we knew every guy's, you know, batting stance. And we had to imitate, you know, who who were we, who were we this at bat, and... Um, what was then, your favorite batting stance? Um, I mean, I, I remember, uh, I think his first name is Tony, but I know his last name is Bautista. Uh, the big wide open stance. The big uh, leg swing Yeah, the to, big to, leg swing to... Yeah. Uh, you know, Craig Council with his, his crazy stance. Um, you know, my, my favorite player growing up is Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah. Um, so imitating him was always, always a lot of fun.
1: Before we let you go, I want to ask you about your kids because, uh, they're quite the story. Uh, nine weeks premature.
2: Yeah. So 10 weeks premature. 10 weeks premature
1: mm-hmm. last year, right?
2: La- uh, December of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what,
1: what's that like as a parent?
2: Well, uh, so it goes back to even, even before, before them. Um, so my birth story, uh, my parents had a stillbirth before me. Um, that was uh, June 20th, 1989. Uh, had it a few days before everything's fine. Uh, go over the weekend real My mom realized there, the, you know, there was no more kick kicking from the baby, uh, go in on, and have to give a stillbirth. Um, the doctors, Told them, you know, hey, you can try as soon as you feel ready, uh, but you know, this traumatic experience—it could be a while before you get pregnant again. Yeah. Uh, they almost immediately get pregnant, uh, so much so that the due date—it it was me. Uh, the due date was June twentieth, nineteen ninety. Oh my gosh. Um, Thirteen weeks into the, my mom's pregnancy with me, uh, she developed a hole in her amniotic sac, and uh, the doctors gave me a one in four chance of survival and then uh, pretty much guaranteed that if that, that 25% chance happened that I was going to be physically or mentally disabled. Uh, so knowing their previous pregnancy problems and just everything that was going to go into my pregnancy, um, I don't want to say they told them to abort, but they advised them of their right to abort and try again. Um, and my parents immediately said, no, we're, we're putting our faith in God. and uh, my mom was bedridden for the final six week or six months of uh, the pregnancy. Um, literally, you know, bed, or you know, if other if she wasn't using the bathroom or taking a shower, which I think she did like once a week, she was in uh, she was in bed. Really? Um, and that she jokes and says that's when I I, lo- I learned to love baseball because she would watch uh, Dodgers games at night and Dodgers Angels games at night, and then watch the rerun like the next morning, like ten in the morning, it was on TV. So she's a, that's all you knew was <laughs> was baseball. Um, but then, you know, so I was, you know, here I am today. So I was born healthy. Um, the first thing my mom said when I was born was, you know, to the doctor was not bad for a one in four chance. Um, so fast forward, you know, 28 years, 27 years. Um, I think everything that went into it was, was, I mean, it was hard on my wife, obviously. Uh, It was hard on, on me. Just, you know, we're going to the doctor literally once a week to um, have ultrasounds and, and do checkups. And is you know, it, it was literally a prayer every day of, you know, one more week, one, one more day, one more day, one more day. Um, so
1: there were some signs of,
2: yeah, So difficulty. we knew, uh, we knew my wife It was actually a birthday present. She told me that she was pregnant. Um, so that was June 13th of 2017, okay. 2017. Um, and all she knew is that we were pregnant she had gone to the doctor Uh, we were about to go on like a three city road trip and she was going so the team doctor in detroit wanted her to see um, the doctor before she went on the trip Uh, everything looked fine hey you're pregnant great no big deal Uh, she didn't go back until the all-star break right after the all-star break and so that was a month and almost a month and a half later and uh, i actually wasn't there i was already at the field and I get a phone call, hey, can you talk? And yeah, sure. Well, I, I didn't want to tell you this over the phone. And I'm like, all right, what, what do you mean you didn't want to tell me over the phone? Like, what's what's wrong? Oh, no, nothing's wrong. It's just not one, it's two. And I said, two babies, really? And she said, yeah, it's two babies. So that's how we found out we were having twins. Um, it was shortly thereafter that uh, we started to be become aware of the high risk that, that was going on. Um, and uh, throughout the process, I mean, it was literally weekly doctor visits um, and it was, it was a prayer of just, like I said, one more day, one more week. Um, uh, and and I could we could talk for another hour on just everything that, that was going on throughout the pregnancy, but the best way to put it is after they were born um, and they'd sent the off for all the, the tests and they did everything, uh, it came back. There's only, I think like 42 known um situations like we had exactly like ours and of those 42 uh like 24 of them ended up with at least one of the babies not making it um so you know we feel very blessed you know and and just so so grateful for uh, how healthy they are Um, but through the process knowing my birth story it was just as hard on, on my parents yeah um you know they've they've said for years you know they wouldn't wish on their worst enemy what they had to go through um and then watching you know their son and their daughter-in-law kind of go through similar type stuff that that they had to go through um i think it was just as tough on them as it was on uh, on anybody Um, but uh, for my wife and i we just always felt like it was god adding to our story you know, knowing knowing my birth story and knowing everything that I'd been through, and you know, knowing the platform that I've been given through the game of baseball, uh, this was just God adding to, to to that powerful story and saying, you know, here's another dimension to your story that that, that I want you to have. Um, and you know, our, our boys are born uh, at three pounds two ounces and two pounds eight ounces, I think, is what they were. Um, i mean they both fit you know from here to here in my, i mean there's a picture of me holding both of them and um i mean they literally there's a picture one of my favorite pictures of us in the hospital uh, i have a button-down collared shirt on and it's unbuttoned completely and they're both sitting on my chest and i mean you could see the outer part of my chest and that's how small they were um, but uh fast forward 17 months they are Healthiest could be. They're running all over the place, jibber jabbering. Um, we got them a tee. Uh, they they they're learning how to hit a ball off the tee, and um, they're just they're the biggest blessing in the world.
1: Christian and Kane, right?
2: Christian and Kane. Yep.
1: You can uh, you can find pictures on James's Instagram. McCann thirty four. It's uh, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for spending the time. Absolutely. Thanks anytime. for telling that story. Yeah, absolutely. James McCann, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, picture this.